Hello and welcome to Skywire's Beyond the Page, the podcast where we delve into the deeper side of Sky South stories and characters. Every month, we analyze, theorize, and hypothesize about all things Sky South with a cast member. I'm your host, Daniel Andrade. On today's episode, I'm very happy to have Kilo Hanakamura, who plays Davi in season three of Fox. Ki, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having here. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Man. I already <laughs> we're, messed we're, it up. That's right. We're both we're both warming up here. We're both getting ready. All right. So <clears throat> let's get started with uh, some questions about acting and about your character. And the first question that I have for you here is. One of the things that makes Davi stand out is that he's definitely a very complex character who may not convey too many emotions or say too much, but still manages to speak volumes with what he does say and do. Like his actions sometimes speak louder than his words, you know? So with that in mind, what scene from this past season do you think best exemplifies who Davi is as a character, as a person? I think the... The scene that really speaks volumes to me is uh, when he's talking with Erasmin about the Chosen One uh, and how the Chosen One doesn't have it easy. And he has this, Mm. it shows that he has this idea in his mind of how the world should be. And he's getting frustrated when things aren't going according to that. Like the Chosen One's supposed to have it like easy, right? Yeah. Like they're supposed to lead us to where we need to go because that's just how it's supposed to work out so with that I mean he does express a little bit more emotion than uh, he usually does Mm -hmm. but I think that right there is him kind of opening up okay so what do you think then it is about that conversation that that helps him to open up that maybe like strikes something in him that um, maybe we hadn't seen at that point quite yet Um, I think it's it was seeing Fox uh, like breaking down and being very mm. human mm-hmm. um, so yeah exactly <laughs> so seeing that like even these people that are so strong like emotionally have these feelings mm-hmm. I think that really like it, it struck a chord with him because he was so confused after that moment yeah and yeah. he's it's almost like now he's lost because he's <laughs> yeah. like I'm following somebody that is probably just as scared as I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, <laughs> it kind of like it's her version of like I'm ashamed to say I don't have a plan sort of yeah, thing, right? Yeah, exactly. For better yeah. or for worse. The truth is, Dobby, those who have made a difference never had it easy. I did not have it easy, and you're changing the world. But I am not the chosen one. But even the chosen one needs help. I don't know much about Hakradia. But I do know that Soatia will remember you. Stories will be told of us in our adventures with Fox of Oxtra. This is why it's so important that we do more than survive. It's important that we love. It's our job to stand beside the Chosen One. And she needs us. Yeah. Um, Kind of speaking along those lines, um, 
I was going to ask you about this later, but I'll ask you about it now. Um, this is kind of not like a personal question because it's not who we really are, but like yeah. personal in terms of the show. So Davi doesn't have like the best relationship with everyone in the Brotherhood. We talked about um, maybe like with Deja, he has a strong connection, but he seems to not respond well to harassment in particular. So hard as harassment tries to connect with him, he's like always trying to like come up to him and say, like, I got you, bud. Like, I understand what mm -hmm. you're going through. So why do you think it is that that Erasmus in particular has such a hard time connecting with Davi or Davi has a hard time connecting with Erasmus? Oh, well, it's almost like a Prince and the Popper story. really. Oh, OK. So, um, I mean, as similar as they are, they want the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say the exact same thing, but similar. Just things. because they grew up on opposite ends of the spectrum, like mm. Davi's gone through like three father figures. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Erasmus still has his dad, mm -hmm. even though he's kidnapped and captured. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like he like he says in the middle of the season, he says, "We don't really bathe in Hecradia, mm -hmm. but the prince is always bathing." So mm -hmm. just like those small differences, um, Erasmus always has an opinion about something, while Davi is <laughs> taught some way, and that's like how it is. So, for example. When Davi and uh, Oran are arguing about how women shouldn't be with women, yeah, that's kind of set in Davi's mind. He was told that, and that's what he follows. For Erasmus, he's realizing and he's contemplating. He's saying like, "Hey, the world's changing. Like, mm -hmm. it's not always going to be the same way, or else like, you guys are going to die off. Or, like, we're we're dying off as a people, anyways. Yeah. So it's more than just surviving, and Whenever somebody challenges, like, Hercadian authority, so in Hercadia, when mm. people challenge Hercadian authority, they're shut down, like, immediately. Mm. And Davi sees himself as this authority now because he's no longer with his unit. Yeah. So he's trying to step up and be a leader. Yes. And Erasmus is challenging his beliefs, and he mm. doesn't like that at all. <laughs> he's not taught... Uh, Davi was never taught how to debate or argue. He's always taught how to follow rules. Yeah. And when somebody's trying to debate him and have a conversation with him, he shuts down immediately. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not used to this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's more like he's frustrated with being challenged by Erasmus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is working out very nicely because I had a question about that too. Um, but I'll, I'll tackle this first half of that question first. So um, it, it's pretty uh, clear that you definitely had one of the longer monologues in the season, you know, maybe tied with uh, Deja when she had to read that letter from Marilla. Um, and I know personally that it's, it's not easy, you know, to memorize or recite even like a small set of words, like a paragraph, <laughs> let alone like, like a two pages worth of a monologue there. <coughs> so I was kind of wondering, uh, what technique did you use to tackle that? monologue um well i've read that like i've read advice from like great actors like robert downey jr and mm -hmm. uh that's the only one that really comes to mind right now okay. but um in my acting class my teacher always says memorize your lines you need to know them <laughs> forward you need to know them backward mm -hmm. you need to read them until you're sick of them and then keep reading them until they're alive again yeah so that's oh, wow. literally what I did. It's just 
you read it to a point where you say, okay, I got it, I got it. But then you got to keep reading it until you're excited about mm. what it is that you're saying again. Yeah. And excited doesn't mean happy about it, because like, <laughs> that wasn't a happy moment. No, no. At all. So, but I, you just got to keep reading it over and over again, like, to the point where you know exactly what's coming next. Not because you're, like, you have it memorized, but because you feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know the thought process of the character. Mm. You know where he's going through. You know what memories he's pulling up and referring mm. to. So, literally, just hard work reading Jeez. the lines yeah. over and over and over again until you got it down. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's the trick: is work hard. There is no <laughs> trick. Yeah, um, I think if I remember correctly, when because I think I'd asked you this like on set as well. I think you were also kind of trying to like. In psychology, we call it chunking, like putting things into little chunks. Like this is the chunk yeah. where he talks about this. Mm-hmm. This is the chunk where he talks about that. So was that kind of a part of it? Oh as yeah, well? that's that's definitely a part of it. And it's almost like I'll memorize this and then realize that what he's talking about here leads into uh-huh. his next thought. And it like it goes in order. It's a very like logical order when you think about the way that people talk. Mm-hmm. Like one thing makes somebody think about something else and it's just bridging that gap yeah yeah so <clears throat> just to kind of you know dig a little bit deeper so when you were practicing these lines were you just like reading them in your head were you reading them out loud were you doing a little bit of both uh definitely a little bit of both but uh reading it out loud is the best way to memorize it because you say it and then <laughs> you think about what you're saying and then you're hearing it again mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. at the same time you're speaking but listening (laughs) yeah and i think that uh that's the best and i don't know about for everybody else but for me personally when i'm reading lines in my head i get very sidetracked i read (laughs) and then i'll like oh i start thinking about something else exactly it's like oh i forgot what i was talking about uh look back read it uh i still forgot so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. reading out loud it definitely helps me flow better that's cool yeah i think i was reading somewhere or i saw it on an interview i forgot the name of the actor but he was trying to rehearse lines for broadway and so what he had to do was i think he like wrote down everything first and then he read everything aloud and then like he wrote like one word of like the beginning of each line like the first word of every sentence and then he just kept doing it that way until it like eventually he had seen it and written it and thought about it so many times that it was finally just stuck in his head Mm -hmm. So, and that sounds like a lot of work, but at the same time, that's Broadway where you don't have this opportunity to yeah. do like a second take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have this huge respect for uh, actors in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to be in theater someday, but um, yeah, just that memorization process. Everybody's got a different one, mm-hmm. but it's the same thing you got to read those lines over and over again until you're sick of them (laughs) and then keep reading them until you love them again and then just keep reading until they're your thoughts they're not the character's thoughts exactly and i guess one more question is as you were talking about it i kind of thought about it as well so like i would imagine too that when you're like reading them out loud you can kind of hear like oh maybe i should say this like in this way or maybe i should say it a little softer or a little more aggressively or a little more passively like because like you said you're reading you're speaking and listening at the same time so how do you like balance that and how do you like decide like oh maybe i should say this in this sort of way uh just by playing around with it so 
there's a point after you're like you're not really reading it anymore you're mm -hmm. just kind of like saying it mm -hmm. that's kind of the point where you're like okay i'm kind of sick of these lines <laughs> so what can i do to like ah. like what's a different way to say this line mm -hmm. or what's a more impactful way to say this line yeah you know so that way it's not just the straight monotone level of speaking which <laughs> i personally have a problem with in everyday life no. so it's like that's that's kind of what gets you to love the the words I see. is by playing around with it you know mm -hmm. be creative yeah and as actors that's like what we're paid to do is be creative but still be real mm -hmm. that is that's definitely the challenge right there um so now going back to what we were talking about earlier Within that monologue, you know, like you said, it wasn't a very happy monologue, but it's very important because we learn a lot about Davi's past and about life in Acadia, and in, even in essence, like a little bit about life in Ganadan in general. So how do you think Davi's experiences back home have affected that, the way that he inter interacts with the Brotherhood? Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier already. Yeah. Like, um, don't don't challenge authority. Like, <laughs> yeah. Authority is everything. Um it's all about survival like that you can see that in the way that Davi talks the way that he moves the way that he just lives like and breathes every time or whenever I was in character as Davi I'm always looking around like because there's so much to observe and yeah. like anything can happen at any time and you got to be ready for that mm -hmm. so um that's that's the main thing is that Survival is everything. That's how you're raised in Acadia. Mm -hmm. And how do you think um, that, because we don't really know too much about the other districts, but what do you think it is about Acadia that makes it, like, makes the people act the way that they do in um, in contrast to, like, the rest of the people around the rest of Ganadan? Right. Um, well, the main thing is that Davi even talks about it. He says that mm -hmm. like we don't have the resources yeah. that everybody else has. Like we're literally fighting like to survive, mm -hmm. and we're doing whatever it takes to scrape by. We're not thriving. We we barely have enough to like satisfy all our people. Yeah. So that's the main thing is that they don't know. They don't really know luxury, mm -hmm. and it's not like. Oron, who can just kind of like travel around, <laughs> pick berries and stuff wherever yeah. he is. It's it's like food is very scarce, among other things. Yeah. And everywhere they go, they have to look for something that's going to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty much like scavenging. Yeah, exactly. What do you think it is then that like, because I would imagine that'd be a very difficult situation to live in. Like, do you think they live pretty peacefully over there or do you think there's like they're like on the edge of maybe like battling each other because things are so scarce or well Hecradians don't have problem like settling things with like their fists <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> like you can kind of see it in like when Davi's first introduced he's being picked on already yeah yeah but everything points back to authority so if authority gotcha. can keep people in line which they do mm -hmm. because they're the most trained Mm -hmm. And like they're not worried about killing weak. Yeah. Um, they they get along just enough to where they can survive together. And if mm -hmm. somebody like 
if someone dies, someone dies. It's in Hecradia, I mm. should say. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the way it is. Like, if somebody dies, it makes life easier for everybody else. Mm, more but, for me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they're not gonna go out and like start killing each other because no. then the authorities come down. Mm. If the if the authorities have a reason to take out somebody who's fighting, that means more food and resources for the rest of the, the people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, scary life. And I was gonna say that's like pretty terrifying. So I mean, no wonder like. When we first meet Davi, like he's very like um, hesitant to trust anyone, especially when I mean when they're like tying him up and stuff. Mm. But, yeah. Oh man. Um. And you were kind of also saying earlier that you know at first um, Davi had a hard time you know accepting the fact that Fox may be the chosen one, but by the end of season three. Um, you know, Davi has that moment where he kind of sadly comes to terms with the fact that Fox may not be the chosen one after all. So what do you think specifically Davi was feeling in that little brief period of time between Fox dying and then suddenly coming back to life? Mm. It's definitely like a loss of everything, like everything that he wanted all he wanted was to go back to his people, to be accepted by his people again. Yeah. So he can go back home, he can take care of everyone. Yeah. When he sees Fox die, he sees all chances of going back home, like, disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no way my people are going to accept me now. Jeez. And as sad as it is, like, it's still a very selfish way of thinking <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, it's more well, like well, well now i'm screwed <laughs> yeah what about yeah. the rest of ghana done yeah like, well that's the main thing is he yeah. and also he sees another like not parental figure because they're not she's not that much older but no yeah <laughs> somebody that he was like starting to grow attached to you know mm-hmm. that was helping him like another one died so first it was mom dad <sighs> And yeah. unit leader now Fox, so mm-hmm. that's number four. Yeah. So. Jeez. Yeah. Um. And then, kind of on the opposite end of that, uh, when Fox suddenly does come back to life, Davi, who's had experience seeing what Draymond does to people, can see that this definitely isn't the same Fox that he's come to know and respect. So, at that moment, what do you think was going on in his mind as soon as she woke up and he could see like? The Draymond did work, and now, like, she's this other being. I wouldn't even say, like, a person, yeah. really. I mean, at that point, it's not... It's almost like seeing his worst fear like, yeah. coming to life. Like, somebody that he doesn't know if he can beat. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's willing to fight everybody, including, like, Oron, who's yeah. pretty much, like, one of... In my opinion, I think Oran's one of the strongest characters, like, in uh, Ganadon. Mm-hmm. And just because he's fast and he's strong. Mm-hmm. But Davi still is ready to challenge him. But then he sees Fox and he's like, I need to think of a way to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's more of, like, a gripping fear that, he, that takes him on. And that's something that you don't see, like, in Davi, like, for the whole show mm-hmm. until that last moment. Because, like... He'd even he was even trying to stand up to Raw like yeah like he yeah. had all his like um, he had the rest of the Brotherhood with him 
but he was right there ready to mm-hmm. like face off mm-hmm. yeah I mean so then because we had said um, in a previous conversation <laughs> Uh, we had said in a previous conversation that when Davi was finally like, when we finally heard that like gorilla call towards mm-hmm. the end of the in that finale, that that was kind of a sign of his fear too. So you're saying that, and that was before like she woke up. So do you think like that fear was like multiplied by like ten by a yeah. hundred when she didn't wake up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think he's more of a fight or a flight type reactor? Um. I mean, it's survive, so. <laughs> yeah. So whatever logically <laughs> so, works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, if you can, if you can logically like see yourself beating the threat, don't waste your energy running. But if you see that this is something that you don't know if you'll come out of alive, mm-hmm. you got to get out. <laughs> you got to run. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think harassment probably was terrified, petrified. I would say. But yeah, I'd probably hide behind you. <laughs> like, Davi, do something. <laughs> you got your Tonkas. Your Tonkas. <laughs> Tonkas. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like to call them. Um, Alrighty, so I have a few little hypotheticals here, some what if questions for you. So, <clears throat> if Davi's uncle and military unit were able to see what Davi has accomplished since joining the Brotherhood, what kind of things do you think they would say to him? Yeah, that's a good question because honestly, I think that they would still want him to accomplish more. Oh, it's not enough. Because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's like Ra's still out there. Mm. He's killed dream demons, mm-hmm. but like in the big picture, like mm. that's not too much. <laughs> you know, that's that's not really enough. Like, yeah, Hercadians kill demons all the time. So, what? Like, you got to do more. Right? <laughs> yeah. So just another yeah. day on the job. Yeah, and exa- exactly. And he hasn't really done anything for his people, too, because he hasn't seen any of them. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't done too much for either his homeland or for the rest of the world. So do you think they would still take him back, or do you think they'd be like, you got to do some more work before you can come back and join us? At least I mean, his unit. Yeah. I mean, if they knew that he was captured instead Mm. captured and uh kept alive instead of um just running away then they would probably take him back but nobody would know that mm-hmm. so i mean if if they saw what he was doing and that he was fighting and standing for the way of hakradia then they would for, then they would take him back because it shows that even the, in the face of like enemy territory he he doesn't break he That's doesn't true. change yeah do you think if they were still around that they would join you and the rest of the brotherhood too do you think they would support you in that or no i don't <laughs> think so um they would de- uh just because like erasmus himself would start like challenging authority <laughs> yeah because he he feels like things need to be said to like clear the air and <laughs> like talk about what it is that they're actually fighting for but hercadians would say like no we don't need you like we have our own way and we're going to get it done mm-hmm. like we can do this without you yeah exactly Yeah. so um, if Davi was forced to leave Akradia and choose another place to live either within Ganadan or even here on earth on Trabathia uh, where do you think he would go and, and why 
Um, I think that Dobby would go <coughs> probably to like Alaska. <laughs> he wants that cold again. Yeah, exactly. There's mm. like it's something that reminds him of home because he's never gonna be okay with being forced to leave. Mm -hmm. So he would live out his days in isolation and survival, like mm. for himself. And wow. it's almost like he's accepting the punishment of being banished. Uh -huh. um, and like if there was no threat, then there's no reason for him to be like a warrior. Mm -hmm. So he kind of like loses his motivation for anything. Mm. What do you think he would do in Alaska to try and keep his sanity and keep himself in good spirits? Uh, just hunt. Hunt all the time. Mm -hmm. And even though he's not... Um, like, he can kind of see that he gets bigger, like, <laughs> yes. throughout, throughout the season. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been working out. Yeah. Um, work so, out. yeah. So, hunting and still training. Okay. So, keeping in himself sharp. He probably, he's very logical, so he probably wants to try and build. He'd probably have, like, side projects, like building or, mm. like, puzzle solving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of puzzle solving, uh, you have your Rubik's cube here. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you think? How do you think Davi would attack a Rubik's cube? <laughs> what his logic? How do you think his logic would help him with that? <laughs> That's a great question. I think he would just like. Would he get frustrated? Oh yeah, he would get frustrated, <laughs> but he would make sure that he finishes it. Ah, okay. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, especially if he's in isolation, he has plenty of time. Yeah, to do exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. This next one I had is if Davi had the ability to choose another one of the five abilities to now possess, which one do you think he would choose? Or do you think he'd choose to keep his animalistic tendencies? Or <laughs> do you think he'd choose to have no abilities at all? Strength. <laughs> that's the, like, that's just straight up. Like, he, the strongest, the, the strongest survive. So, no. strength. So he would much rather prefer that strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He gets a bit of a boost with his animal, uh, animalistic tendencies, but not as much as uh, somebody with strength has, like Aaliyah. Yeah. So how do you think he would use that strength? <clears throat> um, I feel like he would be confident enough to take an army down himself, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely, like scouts or patrols of dream demons i think he would plan for himself to take on like five or six at a time and then slowly push Ra's forces back mm -hmm. so then do you think with that strength he would kind of abandon the brotherhood he's like well i got the strength i got this now i think he would mm -hmm. uh at the beginning anyways yeah at the beginning i think he would uh the only reason he's kind of like staying around is because like he sees them as his best chance to get back home to Hercadia by taking on Raw. But if he feels powerful enough to do it on his own, then I think he would leave, use his like his skills and his knowledge to set traps and mm. push forces back himself. Because mm -hmm. then he doesn't mm -hmm. have to get along with anybody. <laughs> yeah, he could just punch him or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess then, just because I thought it was an interesting uh, choice, like, Let's say he just lost uh, his animalistic tendencies. Now he has no abilities at all. Like, how do you think he would manage with none of the abilities? 
I think it would still fare pretty well because um, it's just like the main thing is that he would rely on others more. Okay. Uh, by tra- by traveling in groups because his animalistic tendencies is almost like a spidey sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he would definitely need to rely on others to kind of keep lookouts on like on all fronts. Uh, he needs the strength to survive. Yeah. He yeah he doesn't he won't have really anything to protect himself against. Mm-hmm. Other people that get those boosts from animalistic tendencies, people mm-hmm. that have strength, they won't. He won't have that kind of instinct of how to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. So has, he has to start training himself even more. I see. So you have to study kind yeah. of. Uh, hunting so I, techniques. Yeah, I think he'd fare pretty well. It just come, becomes a matter of okay, now I need to increase my training to make up for this lack of ability. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. And if it's very true to the character, he'd be very like observant and very, you know, detail oriented and figure out, you know, what he needs to do. Um, this next one I thought was kind of a fun one. <laughs> um, if if Dobby were to go to high school here on Earth. Uh, what kind of student do you think he'd be? Oh, straight A's. Straight A's all yeah. the way? <laughs> straight A's all the way. Because uh, he says he, he was assigned to yes. be an assistant of the scribe. Mm-hmm. And knowledge is everything. So, I mean, he's a nerd <laughs> for yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the more he learned, like, the more he liked to learn. And he's, like, he doesn't really care for, like, social issues. Mm-hmm. But, like, knowledge and history, like becomes very very smart mm-hmm. and in book smart you know yeah book smart and street smart mm-hmm. do you think he'd be more of like a loner or do you think he'd be part <coughs> of some sort of clique um i think he would be uh i mean it, it all kind of depends on who he's going to school with that's really. true yeah so if he was going to other hecradians then he'd probably be part he'd probably be part of a clique uh-huh but if he was going to school with like other Ganadins, then he would be a loner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think he'd be involved in like extracurriculars, like in any clubs or sports? I think he'd be involved in sports, maybe like uh, something aggressive, so like lacrosse or football mm-hmm. or soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would like soccer the most because it's it's like strategic and you have to think on your feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd. I think he'd do well with football because he's very good with authority, mm-hmm. being told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely violent and aggressive. So <laughs> if there were other Hercradians, then that's where it would be. Ah, but yeah. if he was in school with like other Ganadans, he'd probably do something more along the lines of like boxing or like oh, okay. tennis or like mm-hmm. swimming even or like oh, yeah. something like that. Maybe not uh, track and field because he's slow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that that kind of stuff where it's more of an individual effort than a team effort. Mm-hmm. So other other Hercradians, he'd be in team sports, and regular high school or with other Ganadans than individual sports. Do you think he'd want to be like team captain or anything, or like a varsity captain? Oh, I think I think he would, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Just demand that respect, that authority. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of branching off of that, you know, Davi tends to be very serious, very stubborn at times, but deep within him, and I think deep within all of us, uh, I feel like he has, he must have some sort of creative side. So 
if he had to choose an art form to express himself creatively, uh, what do you think he would choose? Do you think he'd be more into like playing music, uh, singing, dancing, sculpture, painting? I think he would be more interested in uh, painting mm -hmm. because Ganadan is like it's white. Yeah, it's like white for all the snow and then brown because of mm -hmm. uh, all their homes, mm -hmm. like with the wood. But I think he would be very intrigued by all the color. And then by putting that on like a canvas or some other type of medium, I think he would just be so lost in like the intricacies and the beauty and what art is and mm -hmm. uh, what you can create with that kind of stuff. So yeah. I see him being mesmerized with a mixture of colors mm -hmm. do you think he'd want to do more like landscapes or more like um still lifes uh probably landscapes just mm -hmm. because he like he's seeing the rest of the world mm -hmm. and there's so much to experience and like he's just taken back by every scene that he sees yeah that's really cool um so do you have any like at this point do you have any extra tips any extra advice for people that want to get into this field i know we had kind of talked about it in a previous conversation but if at this point maybe there's anything you want to add to it um, um the main thing is i always say this is always like my first piece of advice is like find an acting class and mm -hmm. like by going to class you're going to figure out if this is something you like doing or not yeah and like um I know a lot of people like to say, oh, I'm just naturally gifted or like <laughs> naturally talented. I'm this good without even practicing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's only going to get you like to level two out of like hundreds of levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. So learn from somebody that's been there and talk to them and learn from them. Take their guidance, like take their like wisdom, all everything that they've learned throughout the years you can pretty much have like within the time that you know them and then mm -hmm. you can just build on top of that yeah. so i love the quote that i'm only like as high as i am because i'm standing on the shoulders of giants uh, yeah so mm -hmm. that that's the main thing is find an acting class and then like find out if this is really for you if this is really for you because it's not for everybody no that's true um one of the things i don't know if maybe you want to kind of talk about it because I thought it was really fascinating was you know for those of you that don't know you you keep a journal of like your characters so you really get like fully involved and in not only who they are as a person but how they connect with other people how they connect with their environments so I guess like what how did you start that process was that something you learned in class or um you know, how did, how did that process come about? Because I think it's really fascinating. It was, it was something I learned in class. Uh, my teacher keeps a, a binder full of interviews from mm. inside the actor's studio. Oh, okay. And, like, literally so many different actors, like, that are big names that you would definitely recognize. They keep journals because it, it helps them, like, learn about their character. Mm -hmm. um, and... He was a so my teacher Carrie Scott was a student of Stella Adler, who's one of the great acting uh, giants, yeah, yeah. acting teaching giants, mm -hmm. and method acting. And by keeping a journal, you can keep track of the choices that you make for your character, 
I see. And so if I say, like, say for instance, if I just think about how Davi acts, is he introverted or extroverted? That's the, that'll be like one of the things that I think about. Is he introverted or extroverted? He, I chose he's introverted. So I put that in my journal. Mm-hmm. And then now I don't even have to think about he's introverted. Now it's just it's part just of like who baseline he is. Now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And now I can build off of that mm-hmm. and say like, Okay, is he a happy introvert or is he like an angry introvert? And he's pretty angry all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, so these are all just things that I build off of. And now I don't have to think like, oh, okay, so what did I think about for him? Like, what did I choose for him? Like, I don't have to like think about that and like make a different choice every time because that'll ruin a character. Mm. Now I can just reference back to say, yeah. okay, who is this? Yeah. He's a 17-year-old introverted kid who's very angry. Yeah. And that's, like, a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, just kind of building off of that, do you have a journal for yourself, like a personal journal that you keep? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, like, learn to live with myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good idea, though. I think, yeah. uh, for me personally, like, uh, every time I've tried to journal or every time I've tried to write stuff, it was uh, too many negative thoughts going in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Too much that would really eat me up inside. Mm-hmm. And the more I write about it, it would lead to another thought, which I would have mm-hmm. to write down because I'm still writing. Mm-hmm. And by doing all of that, I can never turn it around mm-hmm. into positive thoughts. Yeah. So um, I use my time thinking about different things, and I think this is where my almost distraction like my yeah. my mental distractions are used positively it's yeah. where every time some like a negative thought will come up i can immediately say like okay let's push that aside and let's think about something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting you say that because you know for a time i tried journaling as well i mean um i have a few journals that i've started and i just couldn't seem to finish and it's it's kind of the same thing that a lot of like negative thoughts were coming out and i thought that by getting them out that that would be helpful you know because now they're on paper and now i can look at it and read it back and be like oh that's what i was thinking like well now let me try and like now that i know that it's out there how can i tackle it but that's not always the easiest thing to do yeah sometimes it's the opposite where it's like oh this is who i am Mm, but you got like if you can fight past that then it could be a very healthy thing. Yeah. And then I know that you're someone that always likes to keep yourself challenged and keep yourself learning new stuff. So like we said, like you brought your Rubik's Cube today, yeah. something new that oh you started. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> so we're getting down to the one side and we're working on the others. Yeah. So how has that kind of philosophy of just um, trying to keep yourself challenged, keep yourself, you know, working on new stuff? How has that helped you? In acting and in life. Oh, man, that's, like, the thing that keeps me coming back for acting is Mm -hmm. because, like, even though you can be validated, like, you can never be at the top, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there are arguments all the time about, like, who's the best actor? And everybody's going (laughs) to have a different top five. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just something that I, like, I, I thought about it in college, my senior year, I thought, I want to learn how to sing. So 
I did it. I was like, why not? This is the best time because mm-hmm. they offer classes at the college. Mm-hmm. So uh, I took class for a semester. And off of that, I've built like a foundation. And then I've just kept practicing on my own. I asked him, I said, look, I don't need like to be the best. I don't need to <laughs> like, um, I don't want, the main thing is I don't want to rely on a teacher. I just want exercises that I can do for myself and ways that I can practice on my own to get myself better you know Mm -hmm. and then like i would love to have a teacher but it's just so expensive so i just kind of do it to enjoy myself and Mm -hmm. i thought in 10 years i'll be what i would have been 32 Mm -hmm. and i thought by then i can say that i've been singing for 10 years Mm -hmm. and i'll have 10 years of like singing experience Mm -hmm. so i thought what else can i apply that to and i thought well if i can apply that philosophy to any career what would that be? So I've tried to, I picked up surfing and I love surfing, man. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my favorite pastimes. I mean, the perfect state for it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's, there's surfing, which I still love to do. And then I thought, you know, what would be really cool is acting. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love to be a great actor. So I took that philosophy. I, talked to my mom about it she kind of pushed me in the right direction mm-hmm. and because i was still debating you know it's never <laughs> like oh yeah acting is a really logical choice for <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um thankfully my mom's in the industry and so is my sister so they had insight that actually helped push me in this direction mm-hmm. and that's where once i started going to class i was like man i suck <laughs> but there's yeah. so much room to improve yes. here yeah and that's what I find exciting about it is that there's whenever I have a breakthrough, I'm I get super pumped and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can't wait to apply this for everything else. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just because I don't think I've asked you about this and it's just something I'm curious about. But, you know, with your mom and sister having having this insight, having this, uh, you know, this experience, what kind of advice or, you know, insight did they offer for you? when you were thinking about getting into this? Um, you know, it's just that there's a lot of rejection mm. and you just got to get, get through that. Um, they say, do something. They tell me to do something every day and they tell me to go to class. They've told me about experiences that they've had on jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they give me all this like insight of what, what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing that they taught me was like always go to class. And like they they connected me with like like the, one of my favorite teachers that I've had because he's my only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, his uh, Carrie Scott. They connected me with him, and I took his class, and I like loved it. And he's given me so much more advice that they don't have insight to because he's been in movies he's been in tv shows he's been a casting director he's been a producer he's been Mm -hmm. the director he's worn so many hats like he's been the writer too Mm -hmm. so he's he's worn so many hats and like if it weren't for my mom and sister giving me that insight and connecting me with him to give me even more insight i would be lost so yeah it's uh their best advice was go to class (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what a class and, it's been, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. 
That is awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, I know um, in terms of myself, like, I think I've told you about this, but um, I've personally auditioned to be on The Voice, like, for the oh, past, like, yeah, yeah, for, like, the past, I don't know what season they're on, but I've gone at least, like, seven or eight times, like, yeah. and <clears throat> it's tough, like, there's so many people out there that have a dream and that are so good, and, like, there's so much talent out there, yeah, <sighs> and it's crazy. just, yeah, like, it's hard to know, like, what exactly they're looking for, you know, mm. but you keep trying, you keep yeah. going at it, because you never know unless you try. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it all it all comes back down to like people that have like find people that have been there like mm, find that's true. Uh, like I don't mean to turn this into an advice session. No, but, I I appreciate it. But like find different shows like different venues yeah. like open mics places where you can get your name out there. Mm-hmm. Find somebody to represent you like an mm-hmm. agent or a manager, and then kind of like build yourself up there. Like maybe not as a songwriter, singer songwriter, but mm-hmm. like. Even just as a vocalist, like, yeah. find these people that have been there and let them kind of guide you in a direction that'll help you get onto the voice or mm-hmm. uh, through other avenues. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm glad you gave that advice because that advice is good, not just for me, but for our listeners as well, mm-hmm. you know, for anyone that's yeah. out there that is interested in pursuing anything like that. Find somebody to take you along their journey, man. That's, yeah. the, that's the best advice I could ever like except for myself yeah take you under their wing yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> all right well uh unfortunately that's all the time we have for this episode here do you have anything that you wanted to plug for us uh i just wanted to say uh thank you to all the fans mm-hmm. that have supported us like it's been a lot of hard work and it's really cool to see that people like appreciate it yeah um <laughs> I I think it's crazy. It's crazy to me that people want to see like me <laughs> yeah. like, on screen among <laughs> among like the rest <laughs> yeah. of the cast, or maybe you're just there for like Monroe. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, the fact that you're sitting there and you're like diving into this story with us and you're accepting everything that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like we're putting out there and mm-hmm. just like you're really investing yourselves and your time into our projects like we i just want to thank everybody for that oh yeah absolutely and then any of your social medias you want to plug oh yeah Uh, (laughs) so they can continue to follow you so follow me on (laughs) instagram at king aloha k-i-n-g-a-l-o-h-a and then on twitter also king aloha but two g's and two a's at the end so a-L-O-H-A-A. Mm-hmm. So Twitter and Instagram. I don't really use Snapchat. I don't really want <laughs> anybody else on Snapchat. With me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those two. Those uh, Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. I think it was a very fascinating conversation. A lot of oh, good yeah. advice to be given. Yeah. Um, so remember, uh, for all things Skysoft, including full episodes, cast and show info, and other updates, be sure to check out skysoftentertainment.com. Again, that's skysoftentertainment.com. We do have uh, a schedule up there now where you can kind of take a look at our upcoming projects. So it's pretty exciting to see what's on the horizon. Also, this podcast is available on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Music. So please find us. Just type in Skysoft, type in be on the page. You'll find us there. Subscribe, rate, review us. We appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Daniel Andrade reminding you that sometimes the greatest truths are found beyond the page.